So I've got some bad news. You have some bad news. My family did not win the family drive-through adventure scavenger hunt. But you were not allowed to win because you are part of the staff. <laughs> I know. I actually, I set the girls up for that. I said, we're doing this just for fun. The points don't matter. It's like, whose line is it anyway? Remember that show? Yes. Um, uh, and we can't, We actually ended up coming in fourth place. So I feel good. I feel good with that win. But congratulations to the Cordella family for coming in first place. Uh, and thank you to Aaron and Hillary. They put a lot of time into organizing. It was that very event. creative. I love the pictures that are in this week's uh, bulletin. Yeah, at one at one point, my eight year old daughter said, "This is the best day of my life," which she speaks in hyperbole a lot. I've heard her say that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think she'll say that for her first communion this year too. Um, but but, it, but it was but great it, fun. It was a great day, beautiful day. Families that were part of it really seemed to enjoy themselves. I like the one picture. Uh, a, a carload of people, and they're all eat, e- eating ice cream cones. What could be better than that? Yeah, was that an official part of the day? There was a, a a place to get ice cream at some point. My wife and I decided since we weren't playing to win, we weren't going to spend money on anything frivolous. So we we hunkered down and just used whatever we already had in the car or at our house for okay. supplies. There were different kinds of questions and different kinds of pictures that had to be taken. Uh, yeah, all over town. All over town, different challenges to do, different trivia uh, to answer. One of the questions was, "How old is Father Herb?" So I knew that one confidently. Uh, but, but at one point, someone sent me a text message that probably didn't know I was also playing, asking me how old is Father Herb, and I <laughs> replied, "I said no cheating." <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a great morning, and you know what? In addition to good community and good family fun, it was a beautiful day on Saturday. Uh, so we, I found myself, because I was driving, uh, just taking maybe sometimes the long, more scenic route, like down River Road, instead of yeah. taking the highway, because it was just such a, a gorgeous day. So lots of fun. Thank you to all the families that participated. And, and by the way, since we are now online with everybody, we should introduce who we are and what we're doing. Oh, hi, everyone. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. I'm Michael. That's Father Herb. And we are preparing for the 33rd Sunday of Ordinary Time. Yeah, I had to do a double take last Sunday when I said 32nd. It didn't seem possible. I mean, I knew it was. It just seemed. And I get to ask the question, how many Sundays in Ordinary Time? We do this. I know. This is exhausting. You know, it's it's exhausting only to you. Everybody else is. (laughs) It's like trivia. If they get the right answer, they feel good. If they get the wrong answer, they've learned something. There's 34 Sundays in Ordinary Time, but. This year, it will end with the 33rd, and then we'll celebrate Christ the King. Do I sound tired of this question? <laughs> you, found, you sound disinterested. You know what? The, I'm, I was not disinterested in, though. There's a segue. Uh, we had a great connection point on Sunday. Oh, beautiful. Yes, a, a lot of people. And I have talked to several people, including some that were at Connection Point, but some others besides, who have joined our parish by way of first watching us online. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. Uh, but I had a, a couple in my office recently. They're engaged and getting married in 2021 or 2022 or 2025. I'm not sure. But anyhow, actually, I am. But uh, <laughs> I don't go that far in advance. But uh, they started watching us online uh, during the complete lockdown. And that's what intrigued them about coming here to uh, get married here. I really appreciated the families that were here were such a broad variety of stages of life. We had uh, 
engaged couples getting ready to be married. We had newly married couples expecting their first child. We had established families with three or four little kids. We had families with a child getting ready to be baptized. We had uh, couples that are empty nesters and retired. We had uh, people that live by themselves and maybe have recently lost a spouse. Uh, It was such a great and people who had moved in from out of state or even out of country. Yeah, it was. Or a, just from around the county. A great showing of who we are as a church and that the church is still alive and growing in the midst of COVID-19. It really is. It, it was very, very um, reassuring that God can work through anything. Yeah. Uh, even difficult times. So welcome to all of our new families. Our next connection point, uh, maybe you're listening to this podcast and you haven't registered yet will be it's not going to be until february usually we run them every six weeks but during covid we've we've um scaled that back a bit but the next one will be february 7th so look for that and that'll be here before you know it it will it really will okay 33rd sunday in ordinary time we're still in matthew chapter chapter 25. 25 last week i said there are three parables in a row and this is the middle one is that like the middle child just always a little yeah, a little lost, a little forgotten. I can say that as the youngest. Sorry, you're not, my, you're not the middle child. No, I'm the baby. And you're far enough apart. You were like an only child. Yes, that shows, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs> uh, okay, it's a very, very long reading. Oh, there great. is a shorter version of it for Sunday, uh, which I may or may not use. I have to think it through. But uh, let's start with you reading the first part. Are we doing the long... Yeah, we're going to read the long form. You read the first part, then I'm going to read the second part, and then you get to come back in for the nasty part at the end. (laughs) I can see how you really feel about me. (laughs) No, Uh, no. (laughs) Some people find the ending kind of harsh, and I thought, uh, I thought you were going to say it. Just don't over dramatize it. Like you're going out into the darkness where there'll be wailing and grinding of teeth. I don't like the sound of grinding teeth, so we will not do sound effects. Okay, so you're on, and I will give you a signal when I'm going to step in. Okay. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. A man going on a journey called in his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to a third one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Immediately, the one who received five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Likewise, the one who received two made another two. But the man who received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came forward, bringing the additional five, He said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will will give you great responsibilities. Come, share your master's joy. Then the one who had received two talents also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I have made two more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful to small matter, in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come share your, your master's joy. Then the one who had received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you were a demanding person, harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not scatter. So out of fear, 
I went off and buried your ta talent in the ground. Here it is back. His master said to him in reply, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I, I harvest where I did not plant and gather where I did not scatter? Should you not then have put my money in the bank so that I could have got it back with interest on my return? Now then, take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will grow rich. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And throw this useless servant into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Was that undramatic enough yes, for you? Yes, yes. Okay. You have to kind of understate it because the words themselves are so strong. Should maybe just start mumbling. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wailing and grinding of teeth. We could just mute your microphone at the end of this. On you Sunday. probably do that anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about this. Let me start off by saying what it is not. Are you ready? Yeah. I want to say this three times in a row. This is not a study in capitalism. <laughs> this is not a study in capitalism. One more. This is not a model example of how a, you're supposed to live as a capitalist. In other words, people often read it and they think, oh, I've got to put my investments uh, where they're going to make money for me so I will, or make money for the master. It is a metaphor. It is, um, first of all, the whole thing is a parable. And a parable has to be seen as a, one primary point. You should not allegorize it that this stands for this and this stands for this and this. It should be just seen as one primary point. And the primary point is what? The master is gone. Things are entrusted to us. How are we taking care of the master's plan? And of course, this being the middle of the three parables in Matthew's 20, chapter 25, which is all about the end times, it's that time between Jesus' first coming and his return. And I talked about that in the homily last week. We live in the in-between time. So if we are in this in-between time, how are we doing with the, all the grace, the goodness, entrusted to us, not just individually, but even as a church. If the church is supposed to be uh, given the responsibility of bringing people closer to God, how are we doing? How do you think we are doing as a church? I don't know. Uh, statistically, not real well. I think, you know, anecdotally, you know, I love anecdotes. I love parables, uh, stories about how people are, you know, even like the we, we talked a few minutes ago about the connection point on Sunday afternoon. Sure. How even during COVID, people be, uh, have connected with our church. I think these are good things. I don't know uh, the bigger picture because we simply don't know. But I also know for a whole lot of people, church is irrelevant. Yeah. And are we doing God's work? That's the real question. And that's why they always talk about the evangelization or the new evangelization. How are we reaching people who feel like they already know it all? The new evangeliz evangelization was a term originally probably coined by Pope uh, John Paul II. Mm -hmm. And in Latin America, who was talking, the world needs a new Pentecost, a new e evangelization. And basically saying, Many people already have heard of Christianity. Many people maybe even are baptized. Many people have received sacraments, but now they need to be awakened to the faith. Mm. And I think that's the, 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 the talents, so to speak, the 
the grace that's entrusted to the church that somehow we're supposed to be reaching the people who say who are just indifferent it's interesting because I, of the i will say the three significant popes in my life the be <laughs> one being our current pope pope francis and then the majority of my life would be john paul ii uh, and now thanks to our work here the other significant pope in my life would be john the 23rd who died way before you were born way before i was born way before you were born one more time before your parents were uh, married right uh when were your parents married i don't know that when was he when did he die 63 oh yeah that was way before my parents were married yeah um however i feel like it's kind of a you know we've heard the words of pope francis talking about you know we need maybe in a different context but we need to you know reawaken our evangelization efforts we just talked about john paul ii and then of course john the 23rd with the opening of the second vatican council i mean th that was probably one of his primary goals is how can we be the church in the modern world exactly and i think the document uh, church in the modern world gaudium et spes is the latin name for it the the story behind that is so significant the council met for four years, for like about two and a half months each fall in Rome, 22 to 2,400 bishops would assemble from all over the world, mm -hmm. by far the biggest council in the history of the church, mainly because of the invention of the plane. People could travel. Sure. But uh, they had an idea of different documents that should be uh, reviewed, studied, uh, that would guide the church into developing itself into the, tw the 20th and 21st century. Gaudium et Spes, the Church in the Modern World, was not part of it. Mm -hmm. So after the first session in 1962, they said, we need to write another document. So then that's when they decided, we have to say, what is the role of the church in this world today? So there was already one document on the church, mm -hmm. but this was going to be an additional one. So it became the very last one that uh, was published in 1965 when the council ended on December 8th. Mm -hmm. And it's the church in the modern world, and it basically says the hopes and joys, the grief and sorrows of the people of this world are also the hope and joys, the grief and sorrows of the people of the church mm. because we travel together. We have a message for everybody. So the church is not isolationist. We are bringing good news to people. And consequently, not just the church universal, but each parish has to be careful Yes, we minister to those that are registered, those who come to church, but we have to always be thinking of the big picture. That's what's entrusted to us. So I, although I love the, the parable with the idea of that five talents and two talents and one talent, I think we, we really we identify that way too privately. Like God gave you some talent to play the piano and God gave me some talent to not play the piano or whatever <laughs> it might be. But we have to somehow think, yeah, that might be true. We have our personal gifts, but that's not what the parable means. Sure, It's like, what has Jesus entrusted to us to be taken care of while he's not present, physically present on earth? It can be daunting, however, you know, when you think about the scale of what, I remember when we were working on the strategic plan for the diocese of Toledo and after the strategic when you say we that was you and a team of people i was not involved no correct sorry i should have clarified yeah um but after it was finished many of us that were working on the strategic plan 
then we're asked to be on on subcommittees for different areas and I had volunteered to help out with the cause of evangelization and I can tell you very clearly sitting in a meeting talking about evangelizing just an entire diocese in a relevant way is an overwhelming task to to think about and comprehend and try to implement because you're not just talking about as you said the people that that are in our pews on a weekly basis or a, a monthly basis we also have the responsibility of the people in Northwest Ohio that are not coming to our churches. Um, and how do we be that living witness of Christ in the world in a way that it's attractive to make people say, what is the church doing and how do, why does that make sense in my life and why should I be a part of that? It's a major task to, to take on. So in some ways, <laughs> I almost not, I'm not arguing with you, but it's like, well, that's overwhelming to me. But I feel like I can definitely serve in my capacity at John the Twenty Third in a way that I know that I it's it's more it's it's within my grasp, right? It's within my reach. It's a both and. Yeah, we have to work locally. We have to think globally. If I didn't coin that phrase, but we have to think think bigger, work uh, individually. The only way it works is if it's not taken on simply by a parish staff. Oh sure. Everybody has to be an evangelizer. And you mentioned this on Sunday afternoon at Connection Point uh, uh, the, when you were talking about invitation. How many times people invite someone else, even to invite someone else to tune in. Uh, remember I talked about the letter I received, email actually, I guess, from somebody in, in, in I want to say in Maryland. Somebody in Maryland, he, he and his wife were, were watching us online regularly. Mm-hmm. And so I, we cor- I corresponded a little bit, and finally I said, how did you find us? And he said, oh, our friends in Virginia were the ones who directed <laughs> us. Yeah, isn't that incredible? So talk, talk about uh, contact tracing. I wanted to go back and say, and where did they find you? Us? But I didn't do that. <laughs> I, I think I found some of the best examples of evangelization in our music ministry with the students from BGSU that come and play with us on the weekends over the last 15 years. You know, it started with when I was a student at BG, I would just invite my friends in the college of music. Hey, there's this church that I play at come and I need some help. Can you come up and play? But even over, over, you know, subsequent years as my relationship with faculty at the university, I don't know everybody that's there anymore. Um, but we still are able to retain students to play here. Many graduate students, some undergraduate because they find value in being part of a community, even if they're not Catholic, even if they're not Christian necessarily. And I think the, the beauty of that is that when they come to a place like St. John the 23rd, they find acceptance, love, normal people, um, the gospel preached in a way that's not, doesn't... Um, it's not preachy. Yeah, yeah, for lack of a better word. Uh but it's 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 a place, and, and I'll I'll never forget somebody that played here a few years ago, and um, this person has moved on to doctoral work and all of that kind of stuff. Said to me, "I never thought I would find love and acceptance in a Catholic church, but I can tell you, I will really miss being here." And That's that, beautiful. That was probably one of the most um, life changing experiences for me to know that our community, our church was able to have that impact and plant seeds in that way. It's also a little sad that we also have the image oh, sure. as a ch- denomination that we are austere and judgmental 
and heavy-handed. Sure. We don't need to be. No. And our, our Christian faith, our Catholic faith, is very, very liberating and very communal. We're, we're almost at the end, so this is a, we, could, we could do five podcasts on this. Where do you think that stereotype has come from, the heavy-handed, judgmental? Well, let's, uh, gee, let's do it another time. But I will say, unfortunately, we have plenty of people who give out that message, and it's not just the clergy. Sometimes the person in the pew yeah. is very heavy-handed to someone else. Uh, just read letters to the editor once in a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How'd you like to be an editor? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, so, yeah, this whole image of being responsible for what we are given, obviously it starts in our own homes. It starts in our own prayer life. You know, yeah. we fill our own cup so we can overflow to others, and then it continues to build it's, out from you got to remember the word. It's entrusted to us. The master going on a journey has entrusted something close to his heart into our hands it's it's um it's the opposite of a micromanager right god's not a control freak like he i, I like god god uh, liberates us and gives us all the tools yeah and god has expectations i believe but gives us the tools and then enough freedom for us to to succeed yeah i, I like the word entrust because i i I think you're exactly right. It gives a, it's a, there's an element of freedom to it. There's not a, <laughs> there's not a takesy backsies, right? Like once, once it's given, it's entrusted and, and takesies backsies. I don't use that word. <laughs> neither do I, but it's kind of fun. You've isn't got it? kids. I do, but I don't actually use that with them either, but maybe I should. No takesy backsies. All right, friends. Uh, this is, this was an especially good conversation. I can't wait till we continue this next week, especially with the, the reading of the final judgment. All right. Part three, Return of the Jedi, next week on the 23 Podcast. Hey, God be with all of you this week. Take care.